quick scouts formed about the humidor And pick your milk for breakfast cereal Mount Rushmore They'll be there for you There's a non-zero chance Well, yesterday in the Podcast Points League, Scott White dropped Elvis Andrews, a guy who's been a top six shortstop in that format three years in a row. He was not afraid to drop Elvis Andrews. Who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel I want to say there was no trepidation there. Okay, okay. See, the problem is I went without Elvis Andrews for so long that I kept adding Elvis Andrews replacements. And I'm not sure they're not better than Elvis Andrews. I have, I have, uh, Andrelton Simmons, Eduardo Escobar, and Jan Hervis Salarte, all three on that team. And I feel like the one I'm least likely to start is Elvis Andrews. Okay. Um, at the very least, I figure one of them should be able to put up comparable numbers in a points league to the, a good case for Elvis Andrews, who, um, you know, the most concerning part about Andrews this year, I don't, I don't think he's stolen a base yet. He hasn't, Scott. You know, I'm trying to intro the show. And you're just going, you're getting into the analysis way too early here, way too early. I'm so, sorry. I was, I am ready to defend my Elvis Andrews move. He has not stolen a base. He has no steals in one attempt so far. That's amazing. And he's one of the players that might be a little bit too, too good to drop, but maybe not. We're going to ask you, I, I asked on Twitter this morning, who are you too afraid to drop because you think they might have a huge second half? I got some people that are on my mind. Scott's going to have some people that are on his mind. Not necessarily the same thing as a buy low. Like, for example, I'm too afraid to drop Adam Eaton because I think he could have a big uh, second half. But he's not exactly playing enough right now for me to call him a buy low candidate. Um, also, he has not scored double-digit fantasy points in one week since returning from the DL, mostly because of the playing time. So, uh, so, you know, there's a little bit of a difference. That's Adam Eaton we're talking about. We'll get into that. We'll get into Danny Duffy, who's 66% owned. We'll get into Steven Piscotti, who's 31% owned. Uh, we will talk about some breakouts. And if we're buying the breakouts from Eddie Rosario, from Eugenio Suarez, from Nick Castellanos, and a few others. And we will try to get to your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Now, Scott, you are free to now. give analysis, sir. It's, it's, I'm done. I've given it all oh, okay. already. Right. Uh, no, I've, I've actually had the same thought process with Adam Eaton. And I have dropped him in one three outfielder league, but it's, um, it, uh, it hurt. It hurt to do that. I've been able to keep from doing it in another three outfielder league, but he's, he's right there on the edge, on the cusp of being dropped if some exciting pitcher were to emerge. So that's, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if either Eaton or Andrews is a top 50 player the rest of the way. But in leagues with limited roster space, these are sometimes the yeah, tough yeah. decisions you have to make. Absolutely. And, you know, the, this really inspired by a guy like Billy Hamilton, who has six steals, I think, in his last three games. And, you know, I own him in a Roto League, and he has gotten me so many points uh, recently. And it's just a reminder that you really have to be patient in fantasy baseball. It's a long, long season. But how how patient is too patient? And Carlos Santana is another guy we're going to talk about. Carlos Santana has played 89 games. I went through his last four seasons and looked at his OPS from game 90 through the rest of the year. And he's basically played 150 or more four straight seasons, 152 or more. Uh, Carlos Santana's OPS from game 90, which will be today for him, through the rest of season, has been 885 or better in three of his last four seasons. That is a great sign. But there's a there's a troubling sign there as well that I'll talk about when we get to that segment. Let's start, though, with Monday standouts. Let's start with some good stuff. Actually, let's start with one bad standout. Chris Archer. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Archer, Scott, he uh, got lit up in three innings. He gave up three and a third. Three runs, six hits. Kevin Cash called him rusty. Can we just... Shake this one off for Chris Archer. Home start against Detroit, or it was a road start. No, it was home start against Detroit. And uh, start him at Minnesota this weekend with no concerns. 
No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't start him in in uh, a week where you're making daily moves like that. I wouldn't start him with no concerns. I'm not saying you can't start him. It was it was unfortunate in a way that he was making two starts this first week back. Again, thinking more of a weekly context, and uh, that the first start was against Detroit, which is one of the most favorable pitcher matchups right now. It you you would hope he would come through against that with that matchup despite the rust, and then obviously have another good start against the Twins. But since he wasn't able to get it done against Detroit, I think I'd wait until I saw him get it done to activate him. To put him in your lineup? Yeah. Okay, it's Chris Archer. Uh, that doesn't really fit the profile of when Chris Archer tr- typically struggles. He, if he struggles, if he struggles, it's in pitcher's parks. This was just shaking off the rust. Uh, shake it off like Taylor Swift. All right, uh, give me a good standout. From Monday's action, Scott White. Well, let's talk about Danny Duffy, shall we? Sure, we shall. We shall, we shall. Nine strikeouts against the Twins. So I'm glad I slipped that line in there at the end of yesterday's podcast. Yes, me Start too. Danny Duffy against the Twins. That was me a good too. call by yeah. me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, four of his last six starts now have been dominant. Danny Duffy in terms of strikeouts, in terms of run prevention. The problem is the other two during that six-start stretch, he allowed six runs. So that's kind of frustrating, and it's it's preventing his season line from getting corrected as drastically as it should. But I still think there are a lot of good signs here. He's throwing harder than he did really at any point last year, and velocity was a big key to his success two years ago when it looked like he was emerging as an ace-level pitcher. Not saying he's going to be an ace-level pitcher, but I think he's must-own again, and... um and hopefully he can avoid the six-run disasters. Yeah, and those two six-run disasters were against Cleveland and Houston. Oddly enough, in the six-start stretch that Scott talked about, six or seven innings and zero or one earned run, four of six starts, all four of those starts on the road. And at Oakland, at Houston, at Milwaukee, at Minnesota, a couple really tough matchups in there. The other two starts were the home starts for Duffy, and that's where he struggled. Now, you go back a little farther, though. Last nine starts, Danny Duffy has a 307 ERA. But this walk-to-strikeout ratio, 25 walks to 50 strikeouts in 55 and two-thirds, 11% swinging strikes. It's not great. The 307 ERA is great. I'm conflicted on Danny Duffy. I, I, I am conflicted. I don't know. He's at the White Sox this weekend. I'm, I can't imagine I won't be starting him if I owned him. Um, yeah, I don't know, yep. man. Like, the walk-to-strikeout ratio does not say this is a pitcher that can sustain a 307 ERA over that nine-start stretch. Well, it's partly because you included nine starts. You included a weird zero strikeout effort over five innings he had against the Angels June 4th, which skews that number a bit. If you just look at his last six starts, then the strikeout ratio. All right, well, then let, how about the walks? Just the walks. 16. 25 walks yeah, I mean, in 50 innings. He's, he's, 55 right. he's, he's not a control artist, and that's part of the reason why I don't think there can be, we could say he has ace potential. Um, yeah, and that's that's more something we saw earlier in his career. I guess the walks weren't there so much the last couple seasons, but I don't I don't think of Danny Duffy like I see walks in Danny Duffy's lines uh, in the box score for Danny Duffy. I don't think it's like weird or anything. I think no. that's part of his profile. Sure. Okay. So so does Danny Duffy and what he's doing now make you hesitant to drop Sonny Gray? Because, I mean, this is, Danny Duffy sort of fits in the theme of the show. And I, I could understand if we did this like a month and a half ago, people might be saying, well, I'm a little afraid to drop Danny Duffy. He's got so much potential. Does Duffy, his, I guess, quasi-resurgence here make you hesitant to drop Sonny Gray or John Gray or any other Gray? <laughs> Gandalf the Gray? Well, not so much Sonny Gray, no, because he's been so bad that you drop him, I can't imagine Anybody's picking him up in a league of standard size. And it's he's been bad with the underlying numbers, too. There's like, other than the fact that his name's Sonny Gray and he's had good seasons in the past, there's no reason to be encouraged by Sonny Gray, which doesn't mean I think Sonny Gray's done with, done for. I think we'll see a good Sonny Gray someday again. But I don't think you risk much by dropping him, and I don't think the turnaround is imminent. John Gray's kind of a different story because John Gray 
as a top 12 FIP, he has a top 12 swinging strike rate by every measure but ERA, and I guess whip, he's been dominant. Um, and it seems like there's this very specific problem with him pitching with runners on base, but obviously that's something he's handled fine before. So it seems like a small adjustment he'll make there during the st- stay in the minors. If, if any minor leaguers ever get on base against him, which was, I know was a problem at his first start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but there, there just seems to be so much upside for Gray that is so close to being realized. John Gray. For John Gray. Yeah, yeah. Well, for Sonny Gray, it's, we're not seeing many positive signs at all. All right, one more standout here. Steven Piscotti. Now, I didn't go back to when his hot streak began, but I actually have that from the notes from yesterday. But over the last 28 days, Piscotti, who homered yesterday, is a top 10 outfielder. He's number 7 in points. He's number 10 in roto. Piscotti is, is batting 302 with 7 home runs, uh, 19 RBIs, 9 walks, 17 strikeouts, and 8 doubles over the last 28 days. Again, he's the number 7 outfielder in points leagues, number 8, or number 10 in roto over the last basically month. So, are we on board yet? Steven Piscotti, can we, can we add him? He's 31% owned. Yeah, I still have my doubts that Piscotti's going to really be an impactful player for you. I don't mind him as a hot hand play. Certainly in five outfielder leagues, you could do worse, but there's not a lot of power upside here. He doesn't really have a swing geared for hitting home runs. He needs to be, he needs to be like a pretty, reliable 290 type hitter to to become the player we want him to be and and I don't I'm, I'm not confident that's going to happen his BABIP is actually pretty pretty normal by his standards right now all righty Scott so are there any other standouts we need to talk about we've talked about Archer Duffy and Steven Piscotti well basically every two-star pitcher we were excited about starting <laughs> did not have a great start yeah like Wheeler Zach and Eflin Wheeler. and Really, Zach Eflin even wasn't great. No, he wasn't. By the standards he's pitched up to recently. So that was kind of disappointing. CC Sabathia. Yeah, that was very disappointing. It's Baltimore. After he was great against the Raves and Red Sox last two times out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really care about owning him either way. I'll start. I I own (laughs) Sabathia in one league. I start him sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Uh, yep. I know he's not going to help with strikeouts. He's not really going to help with whip, but his ERA is pretty good, and he could win you a game and get you a quality start. Uh, he's fine. That's, but that's basically it. He's fine. So let's go Chase to the big Anderson news. Chase Anderson wasn't great. Oh, yeah, he was terrible. Let's go to the big news, and we'll get into all that. Eniel De Los Santos is going to start for the Phillies today against the Mets. He has a 189 ERA in the minors, 31 walks, 87 strikeouts in 95 and a third, and a 108 whip. Eniel De Los Santos, is this just a spot start for him? Uh, I think so. I think so. I know Vince Velasquez is only missing one turn. And I'm not sure what to think of De Los Santos. I mean, obviously when you have, when there's an ERA that good, you have to take notice and you can't just dismiss it. But I wish the strikeout rate was a little better against minor league hitters. Less than one per inning. Uh, I don't know. I, it's I almost have, one. I have some questions. It's almost, well, you know, it's, it's probably in the 8.6-ish range, I'm guessing, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that far. Not that far. All right. So, Eniel De Los Santos, they had a doubleheader yesterday. So, you know, that always throws the rotation out of whack. But uh, we'll yep. see what he does. Chris Bryant will play another rehab game today and be reevaluated. Noah Syndergaard and Jason Vargas could be back this weekend. You Darvish played catch. Uh, Buster Posey, that's, that's good, by the way. Everybody likes playing catch. Buster Posey is going to miss <laughs> the All-Star game. He's not going to miss playing time. He's going to miss the All-Star game. I suppose it's possible he misses time after the break. He needs a, an injection in his hip. And he's got, Buster Posey has a 125 ISO. Now that's not that much lower than what it's been the last three or four years. 179, 153, 147, 142. That's Posey's ISO last four years and now it's 125. But he is, despite having the second most at bats and basically, basically the most at bats and plate appearances, he's Practically tied with uh, Wilson Contreras. Um, Posey is the number five catcher in points, number seven in Roto. Do you think this is an explanation for it? Because, you know, like, I think Bruce Bochy said it might be hurting his power. But at the same time, like, he hit 12 home runs last year. And his ISO was 142. Now it's 125. Or is he just 
kind of old and not that good anymore. It could be a little bit of both. I mean, it's 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 not a huge difference in power from a year ago, but it's it's enough of one to knock him down a peg in the rankings. I feel like. And one thing we've talked about with him before is just how off pace he is, particularly with like RBI. Um, yeah. So a lot of little things are adding up to him being a disappointment in fantasy this year. I think that, I think you can hold out hope that with some rest, if this gets better. We see a better version in the second half. I, I think there's a chance of that anyway. And I, um, obviously, even at his worst right now, he's still what a top five catcher. Yeah, he's, so well, it's he's not like five in points. It's not like there's any recourse there. Seventh and Roto, right? You're not going to drop him. And he's cold. Last twenty games, Posey's batting two fourteen. And usually you can count on him for good batting average. So, so maybe the hip injection works, and you get you know a, a 300 or better batting average in the second half, batting 214, slugging 314 over his last 20 games. Uh, Steven Spr- Strasburg is going to make a rehab start today. On tomorrow's show, we'll be a little negative. It's Worryometer Wednesday. We'll also grade some trades on tomorrow's show. We're not going to do that today. Travis Shaw, Mike Mustakas, Jose Abreu, Eric, Jose Abreu, Eric Hosmer, and more on the Worryometer. On Wednesday, they will all hit a home run tonight, I'm sure. But they'll still be on Worryometer <laughs> Wednesday. All right, so let's talk about who we might be afraid to drop. Y'all play scared, Scott. Y'all play scared. Too scared to drop some players. Remember that email last year? Oh, how could I forget? Remember the player it's... he said we were too scared to drop? Uh... Alex Bregman. Yes. Right, so <laughs> we, we were rightfully too scared to drop Alex Bregman. Uh, we got an email from yeah. someone last year who said, y'all play scared. You shouldn't hang on to these guys who are underperforming, but sometimes you really have to. So it was one of the shining moments in podcast history. People are naming fantasy teams after it. Y'all play all scared. sorts of callback emails to it. <laughs> well, yeah, it was great. The guy that, you know, I want to overreact and I, and get, it's cause I, I was pretty much was there with Sonny Gray after his start at Toronto. I was like, that's it. We're done. And now I want to break up with Michael Conforto after yesterday. He faced Eflin for a little bit, and then he faced Aaron Nola, who had a brilliant start, but he didn't get a hit, I don't believe. I think he had a couple walks and a doubleheader. I'm just tired of it. Michael Conforto is batting 218 right now. His OPS is 707. He's actually been better against lefties, but that's because he's been so bad against righties. 208 with a 344 slugging, but a 354 on base. He's got a career-high walk rate. That's great. But the hard contact rate is way down in a year where, like, everybody's hard contact rate is up. The ground balls mm-hmm. are way up. Should are, Am I too scared, or, or should I drop? <laughs> I'm a little afraid to drop I Michael Conforto. What, what, what do you think I should do? In a shallow league, I think it's an easy call. In a deeper league, what do you think? Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it depends how deep. I, I don't think I'd drop him in a five outfielder league. Three outfielder league, I'd... You know, standard 12 team three outfielder league. I don't think I'd own him anywhere, to be honest. And like, it's, it's one of those things where you have to, you have to really understand perception. Um, and you have to understand how depth works in your particular weight league because there's more than enough. I feel like in a 12 team three outfielder league, there's more than enough starting caliber outfielders to go around, right? So even if Conforto bounces back and has this big turnaround, uh, the chances are your outfields, like, you, you might not have been able to find a spot for him anyway, you know? Do you still think uh, he has mega upside? I mean, it'd be too soon. It's too early to say he doesn't. He's 25. This is his first year back from a significant, uh, was it shoulder injury? Yeah, shoulder. Yeah, uh, and and maybe year two goes better. Maybe the second half goes better. No, like, I, yeah, this I mean this I year know, for Conforto. He's unstartable right now. Yeah, and without these obvious signs of, oh, okay, I feel like the turnaround is imminent. And like, I just I don't know. I don't think like even in a worst case scenario, you drop him and he's nine hundred OPS guy the rest of the way. I don't know, given the state of outfield and in a three outfielder league, how easy it is to fill those spots. I don't know that it's something you're going to regret forever and ever. All right. That's Conforto. Yeah. I'm just, I got him in a, in a deep league and I might have to drop him tonight and I'm just concerned. 
Um, but in a shallow league, yeah, it's easy call. Would you drop? How deep's the league? Sixteen teams. Thirteen teams. Six. Roto. The outfielders. It's a weird league. There's no outfield designation. Um, if oh. you just start like that a bunch weird. of hitters, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Position eligibility is meaningless. It, you start five infielders and five first base slash outfield slash DH. So five second, third, short, catcher, and five everything else. You can start as many. Uh, I mean, of... that might make it easier to drop them. Frankly, if you find yourself in that position, I was with Elvis Andrews. You can start four shortstops. But I'm looking at Conforto. I'm saying, man, he could win me my league if he goes crazy because his OPS in four seasons is uh 841, 725, 939, 707. If you get the good Conforto in the second half, you're gonna feel like a dope for dropping him. Who's your worst hitter that you start regularly? Conforto and Bird. Uh, right, you know, it's like it's a it's a close call between Conforto and Bird. I feel like Bird's, I feel like I'd drop Bird before Conforto, but like somebody like Conforto versus Adam Eaton, who we were talking about potentially dropping. Obviously, no I question, have, I dropped Conforto before. Obviously, Eaton. I have Adam Eaton in that league too. I've Adam Eaton in every league. <laughs> um, all right, Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana is the number four first baseman in points league, so you will never drop him there. But he's number nineteen. Mm-hmm. In Roto, in non-OBP Roto, in a batting average Roto league. And again, so frustrating with a doubleheader yesterday. He went one for five. He walked four times. That's great in points. That's bad in batting average Roto. So I mentioned earlier his OPS from game 90 on, which is what he'll be at today, in three of his last four years has been 885 or better. You can use that in any format in three of the last four years. But... He had started to get going by now. It's taking a longer time. Each of the last two seasons, at least, he had already been busting out of his slump. So it's kind of like Brian Dozier. Nobody's dropping Dozier. I could see people dropping Santana in a in and a roto It's strictly in a five a traditional five by five league. Yes, that's that's the only format you can make an argument for. I'm not doing. I'm oh. not there yet. But am I am I playing yeah. too scared? No, I I think it's a bad argument. You can make an argument for it. I think it's a bad argument because. Obviously, the track record is so well established. Other than batting average, he's doing everything the way he normally does it. And the batting average, you could explain simply enough, he has a 2-4 team Babbitt. Like it's, yep. It seems like regression, the good okay. kind, is coming there. Come on, bring it bring it on. Yeah, I'm glad you're on the show today because I can say how I feel about these guys that I think Carlos Santana could hit 280 or two, you know 270 in the second half. Because I know Chris would never think that he'd hit <laughs> over his like season long average, but I do right. think that you know I think he could actually kind of help you in batting average in the second half because he could go so nuts like he just make uh, up for lost time. I mean, time. it's possible. I wouldn't even count on that. Oh, he's not going to hit three hundred, but you know, yeah, you know, you know, he's hitting a lot of fly balls, which should help home. Yeah, I mean, his his rates are a little off. The line drive rate is down, which kind of explains the low Babbitt. But that that's one of those things where I don't necessarily feel like it's it's permanent. Like it's 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 one of those what's the cause, what's the effect things. And um I think I think the line drive is just as like rate is just as likely to correct as the Babbitt. Okay. So um the last guy not the last guy, but one of the last guys will be Elvis Andrews. Elvis Andrews, I mean really. Zero steals. He's batting 248. He's having a terrible year. And the last two seasons, Andrews has hit around 300, which was a bit surprising, what, given what he had done in prior years. And right now he's hitting 248. He's, uh, look, obviously the big power tick last year uh, yeah, was yeah. the biggest surprise of all. But even without the power, if he had just hit eight home runs, stolen 25 bases, and batted around 300, you've got a must-start player. None, none of that is happening. Uh, maybe the eight home runs. He's got two home. No, he's got two home. Eh, two home runs in thirty-one games. Whatever. Uh, all right. So is Andrews just not not the same? By the way, Carlos Santana last three months of last year batted two ninety-seven. Uh, so anyway, is Elvis Andrews just not worth it anymore? Is he just not not Elvis Andrews? It's it's really tough because I don't feel like in a league where you start only nine hitters, so the traditional head-to-head lineup. I don't feel like you can start him right now. He's too big of a liability. He's not doing enough for you. At the same time, he's only played 31 games this year. 
through 31 games this year, Jose Altuve had, uh, I think he had just one steal. Oh, wow. And he's up to 13, which, you know, yeah, through, he, he got a second steal on game 39. He's up to 13 now, which still is off pace by his standards, but it's by, by 2018 standards, it's still a pretty good total for this point yeah. in the season. Yeah, so, yeah. like, it's, it's one of those things where steals can come in bunches. It's odd that, it, it's really odd that he's only attempted one in all the time that he's played, especially since he's obviously not the hitter Jose Altuve is. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think there's a good chance he's fine, but if you have another option at shortstop that you can start more, it's, it's tough to keep that backup shortstop on your roster, no smaller leagues. Yeah, I I don't I don't think people are at the point really where they're dropping. Andrew Scott had sort of a different circumstance, but let's see who people are too afraid to drop. I asked on Twitter, and let's see if you agree. Uh, just gonna just gonna read some of the answers here. Too afraid to drop in fear of you know missing out on a big second half. Byron Buxton. Mm, nah, get him out of there. Yeah, I don't agree. Chris Taylor. I mean, Chris Taylor's been good enough to start. He hasn't been as good as he was last year, but every league where I own Chris Taylor, he's starting for me. Yeah. Yeah, Chris uh, Taylor he... had a pretty good June. I think it was kind of like the beginning of June was good, second half not so good. July, he's batting 344 with a 563 slugging, two walks, 15 strikeouts, not good. So I don't know, you can't, you can't drop Chris Taylor really. Um, Marwin Gonzalez. That'd be a really shallow league, I think, and none of my league, like, you know, ten teams or fewer. And if you don't have a spot for him in those, I guess you could make the argument. I'm not I'm not let me say this. I'm not confident Chris Taylor is going to be the guy he was last year. That might be his career year. But he's still okay as he is now. How about Marwin Gonzalez? Uh no. No, that Astros promoting Kyle Tucker, I think is a signal that they're not trusting Marwin Gonzalez to bounce back themselves. And they yeah, shouldn't. I'm getting a lot of high-end names on Twitter, like Otani. I- I'm cool dropping Otani the pitcher. Uh, Fam, Quintana. Nobody's dropping Fam and Quintana yet, but, but look, I mean, it's not crazy with Fam, I guess, but I wouldn't, I don't think anybody should drop him yet. No, um, I mean, I think you can make an argument for Otani the hitter, as well as the pitcher. But that's one, that's one where, you know, you're, you're mostly just gambling. Nobody else is eager to pick him up because the truth is he hasn't been especially productive. He's had some big home runs, but in such sporadic playing time that it hasn't made a big impact. You mean since coming off the DL? Or no, overall? just overall this season. Like, uh, if All right. you look at his week to week breakdown as a hitter, he hasn't done much. Well, but but we expect him to hit a lot more now than he did then. So I can't we really expe- we hope we that. hope he plays more regularly. Yes. Uh but so far I don't think he has. He started He had an injury. Four of six <laughs> He started four of six games since returning. He sat against a lefty, but he also had an injury and then he hit like a pinch hit home run. In the game, he had an injury. Um, all right. Well, anyway, That's true. Uh, this one I don't agree with. I am not too afraid to drop Adrian Beltre. Yeah, I'm not afraid to drop him either. He's not an everyday player anymore. He's old. They're looking for opportunities to get Jerks and Profar in the lineup. Yeah, I think that's fine. And everything is league context matters, you know. Like I'm not dropping Beltre in a 30-man roster roto league like one that we have, but I don't really. Think he's going to be great. I maybe in batting average, but I don't really think much else. I I was looking for a way to sit him in a 15 team roto league I'm in, and I finally found a way. Jed Lowry picked up third base eligibility, and that was yeah. my ticket to sitting Beltre, and I was so happy to do it. Joey Gallo. Uh I think he's undroppable in roto, Joey but Gallo. I think he's plenty droppable in points. Domingo Santana. Oh, come on. You got to drop Domingo Santana. He's in the minors. Ooh, I want to drop you. Yeah. He's in the minors, right? Yeah. I mean, I understand the spirit of Domingo Santana. It's it's another one of those, like, there's a good chance we see a good Domingo Santana again. But, I mean, there's got to be, 
There's got to be somebody else on waivers who you're just as excited about. Miguel Sano. He's obviously doing more right now. Miguel Sano. Uh, yeah. Get him out of there. Okay. How about, um, Lu- oh, I know you're going to disagree with this one. Luis Castillo. Are you too afraid to drop Luis Castillo? I think I'm beyond the point of being too afraid to drop him. Because it's just, it's, it's kind of like Sunny Gray where it's been so bad that, uh, that you know nobody's going to pick him up. And even if they do, you're, <laughs> they're probably going to drop him soon because he's, he's done nothing in terms of actual results to compel anybody to stick with him. Swinging strikes have been good. It's been an elite swinging strike rate. But the strikeouts haven't even been there to go along with it, unlike, say, John Gray. So I still have a lot of confidence in Luis Castillo long-term, but for this year, it's wearing, it's beginning to wane. Are you too afraid to drop Andrew McCutcheon? Mm, yeah. We, yeah, we've seen some big hot stretch stretches from him. And I thought he was going on one, but he sort of tailed off. And it's one of those situations where, like, he's been okay in a points league context. He's outscored Matt Kemp. He's outscored Chris Taylor. He's He's been okay, just as he is in that format. And then you talk about roto format, well, usually that's five outfielders, so obviously that makes him easier to stick around. And the three outfielders, five-by-five five league, I think maybe you could have the conversation, but I'd still rather not. Well, we always say, you know, Roto, five outfielders, but anybody playing, you know, away from our website that plays in like a head-to-head categories league, the one I'm in on right. Yahoo, you know. That's where I think you could talk about it. Yeah, you could, you could talk, talk about, about dropping McCutcheon there, but he does have a it, history to the last great. two years of going kind of nuts in the, you know, in the mid-months of the year. So I'm not quite there, but I get it. And remember, all I the want people... To, oh, go ahead. I want to mention something about Aaron Hicks, just as it, it caught my attention because... McCutcheon scored about the same number of points as Aaron Hicks. Uh, but I didn't want to mention that because I feel like the game, yeah, I mean, the game total is so different between the two. And something I was noticing yesterday, uh, when I was putting together what I envisioned the first two rounds of next year's draft being, that was a column I put together last night. Good thing to look at the midway point of the season. Okay, fun. Uh, Aaron Hicks, I think has like the seventh most head-to-head points per game among outfielders. That's he's two in the years top in a row. ten for sure. That's two years in a row he's doing that. It's the strangest thing. I, you know, Hicks. Okay, Hicks is in the "Are you buying the breakout?" segment, which is coming up. Let's finish up this segment here. Some other players that our fantasy owners are too scared to drop. I don't agree with this one. Mark Trumbo, although his OPS is now over eight hundred, it's in the low eight hundreds. Mark Trumbo. I don't even want to add him. What's his ownership? <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's actually around fifty percent. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty low. And I, he's been on my sleeper hitters list the last two weeks. And thankfully it seems to be paying off this week, home run already. But, I mean, all, even at his best, all he does is hit home runs, and we haven't seen his best since 2016. So I, I don't, I don't know why you'd be scared to go without him. Okay. I think, uh... <laughs> like everybody who has an everyday role, in the majors has some degree of upside. You could be scared of everybody having a big year, I guess, mm-hmm. but you gotta draw the line somewhere. And Trumbo's, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen him be mixed league worthy. Right, let's go through yesterday's action. Uh, first, some news and notes. Jamer Candelario sat with an illness. Yasiel Puig is on the DL, and he's gonna miss an extended period of time with an oblique injury. They called up tolls yesterday. Yep, he got the game winning hit. I think. Yeah. Do you care Double. about him? Is he relevant? Andrew Tolles? I don't think he's going to play every day, and I don't think he's going to do great with, like, home runs, stolen bases. I could see him big for average. I could see him having a lot of doubles, but it's just, no, it's, it's, it'd probably just be deeply relevant. Sandy Leone could be catching a lot more for the Red Sox. Christian Vasquez is going to be out six to eight weeks. Also, you'll see Blake, Blake Swihart in there. But is Leone now a two-catcher league guy? Uh, You're not good. Probably not. <laughs> He's not good. Uh, Irvin Santana could be back after the All-Star break. I, I don't know what his velocity is lately, but I know he was having some serious velocity issues in the minors in his rehab outings. 
How interested are you in adding Irvin Santana? Well, I don't think the latest one was good either. Every couple of weeks I do a top 30 DL stashes piece. And he's in it. So, you know, leagues with two DL spots or more, he probably is worth owning at this point. But that's partly because we've seen a lot of big-name players come off the DL recently. Like, this was the thinnest group of DL stashes I've done all year. Okay. Uh, there's there's a chance he's a decent contributor, but with the reports about his velocity and everything else, I'm not holding out a lot of hope for him. That's Irvin Santana, and the Yankees are reportedly showing interest in Manny Machado. Interesting. All right, in the bullpen, Victor Arano got a one-out save. So he pitched both games of the doubleheader. He blew it in the first. He didn't blow a save, but he gave up a game-winning home run in the first game. And then in the tenth inning of the first game. In the tenth inning, after yes. After Dominguez pitched the eighth and the ninth. Right. In a tie game. <laughs> and then in the second game, you figured Dominguez was unavailable because he had pitched two innings earlier. They were trying right. to get two innings out of Tommy Hunter. They got an inning and two thirds, and then Hunter started struggling. He gave up a hit batsman, a double, and a walk, and then Arano came in and got a one out save. I don't think this proves that he is the closer. Do you? No, I don't think so either. But it's Three in a row now that he's gotten for the Phillies in a yeah. short period of time. It, it's, uh, you have to, you have to really convince somebody listening out there that he's not the closer because it just that alone makes it seem like he is. But I, I think it's still undetermined here. The fact that Dominguez pitched the ninth, the eighth and ninth, like it, it just seems like these saves keep falling in Arano's lap less so than Kapler designing the situation for him. And uh, Fernando Rodney in the Twins bullpen has been struggling a bit lately. He had been really, really good, but last six appearances, nine hits, three runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. I don't think he's in danger of losing his job, but I do think Rodney could get traded, and if that's the case, please keep an eye on Trevor Hildenberger, who is having a very nice year, and he's 3% owned. He has a 286 ERA, 13 walks, 40 strikeouts, and 44 innings, and he was good last year too, Trevor Hildenberger. And I think there's a chance Brad Ziegler ends up being the Marlins closer again. Uh, after a few trades, and he has been pretty dominant since June. He had a 115 ERA in June. He has not given up a run in July, so he doesn't do it with a lot of strikeouts or anything, but Ziggler seems to be back on track, and, I mean, we're talking NL only pretty much, but he might get some saves in the second half, or he might get traded. Who knows? Uh Those Marlins, those magical Miami Marlins, let's talk about Starlin Castro and Brian Anderson. Castro has been red hot. He has a ten. Uh, he has a he has a, a thousand OPS basically in his last twenty one days. And he actually, Starlin Castro is the number fourteen second baseman in points and number twelve in roto. And yet I have zero interest in owning him. He's sixty six percent owned. <laughs> Brian Anderson is the number twelve third baseman in points and number fifteen in roto. So they're both top fifteen at their positions in both formats. They're both top twelve in one format. Castro and Brian Anderson. Am I being stupid here? Do I need to buy into these magical Miami Marlins? No, I don't think you're being stupid. They're oh, both, they both have played, like they haven't missed any time. I know Castro hasn't. And Anderson. No, they both played 92 oh. games. Yeah, yeah. So they, they both stayed healthy, which is a big part of that. They're both forming at like their peak level. And I'm sure a lot of the players behind them are ones we're still waiting to come around. So, I, like, they're, they max out at boring. They max out as <laughs> yeah, right? just usable. They max out and, at boring. I like that. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Um, it's almost time for Team Name Tuesday. In fact, I think it kind of, uh, we'll do buying the breakout first, then we'll do Team Name Tuesday. Scott, are you buying the breakout? I'm going to give you some guys who are breaking out. Eddie Rosario, top eight outfielder. Kind of cold yeah, right but, now. Go ahead. You look at his last 365-day numbers, and I'm sure you'll come away impressed because this is basically who he was down the stretch last year, too, which is part of the reason why I ranked him so high compared to the rest of the industry. I kind of chickened out when I saw nobody else was ranking that high and lowered him a little. Uh, but I was, I want to say I was buying it first, even though I have zero shares. Now. You rank, you, y'all rank scared, <laughs> Scott. You rank scared. I did. I did. I need to stop doing that. Is it crazy to it take keeps coming back to bite me? Eddie Rosario? I mean, I think the answer is yes, but um Eddie Rosario over Giancarlo Stanton. 
What do you think? I don't think it's crazy. I don't do it. But I think I have like Stanton 11th and Rosario 13th among outfielders. So it's not, it's not like they're far off. If this version of Stanton, like I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy to think this version of Stanton is the one who sticks around all season. If that's the case, Rosario is obviously better, but not that much better. We, we, we know the upside of Stanton. Um, are you buying the breakout from Eugenio Suarez and Nick Castellanos? They are six and seven in the third base rankings so far. Uh, Eugenio Suarez and Nick Castellanos. Do you know who is the highest scoring third baseman on a per game basis? Fantasy points per game. You know who's number one? Well, I'm guessing it's Suarez since I know he missed a little bit of time. Well, no, it's Jose Ramirez. But uh, number two uh, is Suarez, which means he's ahead of Nolan Arenado, who's having a great year. He's ahead of Alex Bregman, who's having a great year, ahead of Manny Machado. Suarez is number two. And the numbers jive. I, I don't know that I can really buy he's quite that good, but I buy that he's top six or seven at the position, like he his total show. Uh, Castellanos, I think, is more or less doing what he's supposed to, too, but I would still take some of the guys he's outscored over him. Such as? Uh, well, Matt Carpenter in a points league. Uh, uh, how about Travis in Roto? Shaw, how, how about Travis had bad Babbitt look. That's interesting. How about in Roto? Would you rather, rather have Carpenter or Castellanos? In Roto, I would take Castellanos, I think. Okay. It's a good source of batting average. It's hard to fill. You like Suarez better than Castellanos, then, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, do you like Suarez or Bregman? Bregman. Okay. Bregman's in the first two rounds for next year. Ooh, alright. Uh, how about Eduardo Rodriguez? Do you buy his breakout? 362 ERA, he's 11 and 3. 105 strikeouts in 99 and a third. He has a 125 whip. Only six quality starts all year for Eduardo Rodriguez. It's not it's not that That's hard for him to have a breakout because you know he hasn't been that good in his career. But you think there's something here with Eduardo Rodriguez? Because I'm kind of feeling sell high. Well, the fact he's 11 and three, I think you could make a case to sell high based on that. With his other numbers, it's going to be difficult for him to sustain that win loss pace. And obviously, that is a big part of a player's fantasy worth—just how many wins he's gotten. It's annoying as it is. Uh, but otherwise, like 362 ERA, there's been some correction in that ERA recently that makes me makes it easier to say he's legit. I mean, he's had a big strikeout rate last year just like he does now. His FIP is pretty close from one year to the next. I think he's pretty good. I don't think he's great, but I think he's pretty good. Okay. So that is uh, Eduardo like, I think he's Rodriguez. Top 40. Top 40. Ooh, for Eduardo yeah. Rodriguez. Would you rather have Eduardo Rodriguez or Jamison Tyone? Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm going to make Chris defend his Jamison Tyone take tomorrow. You saw oh, it on Twitter? Boy. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. I get where he's coming from, I but at the I same don't. time, I think he's totally wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he thinks that Tyone and Jose Barrios are basically comparable. I look forward to having this argument with him. Very excited. I mean, they're just uh, I'll save it for tomorrow. Yeah, save, let's save it. We'll save it. Uh, you gotta let the guy defend himself. How about Zach Eflin? Are you buying the breakout? He's got a 315 ERA. He's got a 108 whip. Uh, are you buying? No bad start yesterday. Not terrible. Three runs in five innings. That wasn't terrible. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't great. Not what Less we were than quality. What do you think? Buying it from Eflin? For the most part, velocity's up. Strikeouts are up. Swinging strikes are up. Basically, all the ways we we uh we think a pitcher gets better, he's gotten better at. And uh I mean he's probably performed a little over his head in terms of ERA and certainly in win loss record. He's a guy who's gone seven and two in twelve starts, which is just a high rate of converting good starts into wins, higher than expected. So he's not going to be quite as good as he's been recently all year, but he should be good enough to own and start more often than not, two thirds of the time, probably in a standard twelve-team league. How about uh, we're talking about Zach Eflin, Eflin or uh, Eduardo Rodriguez? You know, it's interesting. Eflin has a three hundred one FIP, even lower than his ERA. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. His walks have been so good. 
Uh, I'll take Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he's more overpowering, and that's the number one thing I look at. Eduardo Rodriguez, or rather, Zach Eflin or Vince Velasquez or Nick Pavetta? Well, Pavetta's definitely dropped last of that group. I'll take Eflin over Velasquez at this point. I think he has the least upside of the three, but I feels the, he feels the safest of the three. Okay. And finally, are you buying the breakout from Aaron Hicks, who is 33rd in points, 27th in Roto at outfield, but he did have a brief DL stint. I, uh, I don't know how I feel about him. I feel like he's streaky and he's just hot right now. I feel like he swings for the fences every single time he's up. But I also love the plate <laughs> discipline two years in a row. And he was off to such a great start. In 60 games last year, he was batting 290 with 10 home runs, 37 walks to 42 strikeouts, and then he had an oblique injury. And I've seen, we've seen oblique injuries derail players. So maybe that was the problem for Hicks. I don't know. What do you think about uh, Aaron Hicks? Is this a legit breakout? Crazy thing about Aaron Hicks is he has a 267 Babbitt. For as productive as he's been, it's still a really low Babbitt. And he's never been like, a high bat bip guy, but even last year he had like 290, you know? So it's, I've been very slow to come around to him. That revelation yesterday that he's been top 10 on a per game basis in points leagues, I think, uh, definitely makes me think twice. It's like you said, I mean, he just had a three homer game. It'd be right. interesting to know. Like, in the last week, he's picked up 100 points in OPS. It'd be interesting to know what his point-per-game average was before then. Right. But with great plate discipline like that and at least decent power, I have a hard time believing he's not a top 40 outfielder, at least. And I know I have him ranked as, like, barely top 60. Are you? Are there any Reds outfielders you'd rather have over Aaron Hicks? I don't think so. Nope. I thought maybe Billy Hamilton in a roto league, but not with the not with as bad as his numbers look this year. What about Andrew McCutcheon or Aaron Hicks? I think they're comparable. I would rather have McCutcheon. Okay. I would rather have McCutcheon, but it's it's close. Alright, we got some team name Tuesday for you. I think we've had this one before, but Soto Popinski. Soto Popinski. Love it. Soto Popinski is the most fun character to play against on uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Uh, we've got some 80s-themed oh, okay. team names. Stairway to Blylevin. I like that. It's Not Me, It's Carew. Quisenberry Beret. Or Quisenberry Beret. How do you pronounce his name? Quisen, Quisenberry? Quisenberry. Quisenberry Beret. Uh, yeah. and Honeycut, I Shrunk the Kids. Those are good. Those are good. <laughs> Alright, Scott, you gotta back me up on this one. Shohei that smile again. Oh, sorry, I didn't come at the right time. Shohei that you smile. That's no, alright. Uh, Upton Funk. And the submitter of <laughs> Upton Funk said, very appropriate, cause he's in a, another funk. Uh, somebody already had Mookie Betts, just got trades for Darvish and Cespedes, so now his team name is You Bets, You, You Bets Yoanis. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh can you snell what LeBlanc's cooking? That's not bad. Okay. And That's then, not bad for a two name one. Said in an extremely Jim Carrey voice, smoking for Justin Smoke. You know, Scott, I'm you you'll see Ace Ventura on TV sometimes. You'll see Dumb and Dumber on TV just about every day. I'm glad we never see the mask on TV. I really have no desire to ever watch the mask again. Wow. Yeah, that's true. You know, that was one of the movies that I think I watched most often when I was, there's like five movies that my siblings and I just watched over and over and over again. And that was one of them. I have way too much knowledge of the mask. Now, I, I used to, I used to watch a movie like that all the time, all the time. And I just watched it again, uh, last weekend for nostalgia purposes. It was The Wizard with Fred Savage. The Nintendo I've never movie. seen that. I know that, I know what you're referring, what it is, but I've never seen it. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's very Nintendo-rific. It's good. Yeah, it's fine. It's a nice little movie. Fred Savage needs more work, by the way. <laughs> he was on that show, The Grinder, <laughs> with uh, Rob Lowe. Uh-huh. That was canceled after one season, sadly, because he was phenomenal in it. I never saw that. 
Yeah. All right, back to baseball. Uh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you three players and their ownership percentage. You were going to tell me if they are under-owned, over-owned, or if their porridge is just right. Scott Shebler, 49%. Maybe a little under-owned. Okay. I wish there wasn't that four-man glut in Cincinnati because Shebler's doing some exciting things, as Winker is, but they're all kind of... They're all kind of getting in each other's way. Yeah, Shebler, 49% owned, maybe a little under owned. Nico Goodrum, 18% owned. That's so low that I could say he's under owned. Okay. He's mostly a doubles hitter, a lefty masher, but he should be more than 18% owned. Nico Goodrum. Steve Pierce, 5% owned. You know what's interesting? He had another great game yesterday. He's been great since joining the Red Sox, and he hasn't. I don't think they've faced the left-handed pitcher since he's joined the Red Sox. He's just cutting Wrong. into bats. No, they faced only two. The first oh. game he was on the Red Sox, they faced Sabathia, I think, and yesterday Mike Miner was the second. Now, so well, yeah, he's faced. He's started against a few right. He has. He has. He's made five and starts and two over that All Star Mitch Moreland. <laughs> Red Sox don't even think he's an All Star. He made the All Star team. He made the All Star oh, team. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. Wow. Not what? Now. Are you kidding? No. Oh, that kidding. is awful. Now, to be fair. No. For, first of all, the players need to stop voting for reserves because that's, at least when a manager did it, you know, he could, he could kind of strategize these things and it just, it didn't end up just this, you know, puke fest. But, um, to be fair, there isn't a good AL first baseman this year. Not one. Jose Abreu won the popular vote and that's fine. He, but he's not, he's not having a good year. Like, it, it probably, like, if a manager was picking, he probably just wouldn't have taken a backup first baseman, stick some, I guess stick a catcher there a or something, point. whatever. That's a good point. Greg Bird, I would have put Greg Bird. Um, <laughs> of course he would. Is Steve, is Steve Pierce, uh, under owned at 5%? Yeah. I mean, he's not gonna play every day. He's only gonna play like half the time, but 5% is, come on, he's better than that. Uh, one more guy. Andrew, well, two more guys. Mike Miner and Andrew Suarez are both 50% owned. What do you think about Miner and Suarez? I don't think they're over owned. They're, they're probably a little under owned. Okay. Who do you like better? I don't love Miner. I, I think I like Suarez more than Miner right now. I'm not really sure how Miner's doing what he's done recently here. Yeah, so few but strikeouts. He's one of the best sparps, and in leagues where that matters. He matters. I might consider picking up Mike Miner for a start this weekend if you're in a daily league. He's at Baltimore. Baltimore has the third worst OPS against lefties. And Miner's hot, but 37 and a third innings, 26 strikeouts in his last six starts, during which time Miner is a 265 ERA. Suarez's next matchup is home against Oakland, which isn't terrible. Um, but he's been pretty good in his last six as well. He's been, he's been alright this year. He's got a 375 ERA. Uh, we're gonna put Clayton Kershaw on the worryometer tomorrow. He's kind of looking a little bit like Madison Bumgarner, not getting the swinging strikes or the strikeouts we're used to seeing, but still pitching well. So, he was not in my first two rounds for next year. Oh, really? Well, we got to talk about that. All right, that's a segment. That's a segment tomorrow. I like it. Um, we have not read enough emails lately, so let's do that. So I'm just going to try to go through my inbox here. And find some emails because I did not have time this morning to put them in the show notes, Scott. Great. Uh, this is from Seth. I've been offered Charlie Blackman and Rick Porcello for Blake Snell. Did I already answer this one? In a Dynasty Roto League. I may have already answered this on the air. Would you give up Blake Snell for Blackman and Porcello? I think we answered this, Seth. Yeah, I would definitely do Double that. emailer. That's, that's a great trade for you. I'd, I'd probably do – I mean, it might depend on need a little, but I'd probably do Blackman. For Snell straight up. In so a dynasty league? Another... Dynasty, though. Okay, that does change the equation a bit. It sure does. Uh, but it's still it's still a big enough return the two players together. I mean, Porcello's a pretty awesome pitcher. Must-start pitcher in his own, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, from Kevin, 10-team points league. Pavetta or Velasquez? Who should I add? Velasquez. All right, so from CJ. I have a great rotation. Sale, Paxton, Martinez, Skagg, Stripling, Corbin, Bieber. But this week, a few teams dropped Godley, Castillo, and Velasquez. Should I be jumping on Godley, Castillo, and Velasquez? Who's the priority? 
I have a couple of bum hitters that I could drop, no problem. The priority's probably godly. Velasquez probably needs to be owned too. If you have multiple bum hitters you can drop. And I mean, it's not wrong to own Luis Castillo just because I'm comfortable dropping him at this point. So it depends how bummy those hitters are. But I would say at least Godley and Velasquez should probably be owned. George says, Dear Robert, Jimmy, and Keith. Those feel like Led Zeppelin? I don't know who Keith is. Um, Yahoo has Matt Olson as outfield eligible. Where would you rank him at outfield? Matt Olson. So Matt Olson would probably be, probably be a top 40 outfielder. Uh, you know what? Look where I have Joey Gallo ranked in the outfield and probably, and just, and put Matt Olson just ahead of him. Okay. Olson almost made my too scared to drop league. He's like 90 something percent owned. He's, I would say he's been droppable, but I am kind of, I mean, not in the categories league. He's, he's provided. Not as much power as he hoped for, but good power. Right? How many home runs does he have? He has like 20 home runs. Yeah. But I would say Joey Gallo is droppable. They're, they've been pretty similar except, what, like 40 points Non-nicat. of batting average? <laughs> Which is what I said when we talked about Gallo. Yeah. Um, I think Elson's a better version of Gallo. Yeah. But yes. I'm okay. sure Chris would argue otherwise. Uh, from Joel, what is your – hey, Michael, Danny, Charlie, and Scott. And those are NBA players who gave baseball a try. Michael, Danny, Charlie, and Scott. All right, Jordan, Ward, Scott. Who are Danny and Scott? <laughs> I don't even know if I'm right. I, I don't know. Uh, Danny Cannell, maybe? Byron Buxton, what is your question on Byron Buxton? What is your uh, feeling on Byron Buxton in a dynasty league? My feeling on Byron Buxton in a dynasty league is it would have to be a pretty either large dynasty league or a dynasty league where you keep just about every player for me to be invested in him still. I just think he's too far down the pecking order to um, to have a tight grip on him. I mean, there's upside. But the Twins clearly don't feel like he needs to be a part of their team right now, and that's not a good sign. So I don't, I don't think it's obvious he's going to meet that upside at this point. And Aaron emailed us, said, "Dear coincidence, happenstance, non-correlation, and anecdotal, anecdotal evidence." I'm guessing those are things that we say on the podcast. I don't know. He said, "On behalf of fantasy owners everywhere, no," and he has a <laughs> screenshot. That of a of his phone telling him that Max Muncie is going to participate in the home run derby next week. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want Max Muncie to participate in the home run derby. He's hitting way too many home runs. His home run pace is like ridiculous. Uh, right? I mean, I don't care about this. Like every year, it seems like there's one guy who hits fewer home runs in the second half, and everyone's like, "See, it's because of the home run derby." Except Aaron Judge has has pretty much acknowledged that the home run derby was a bad thing for him and well, messed him up. That's fine if he feels that way, but the numbers certainly corrected themselves in the end, right? They did, but I, I mean gosh, I he was I ice cold. I mean whatever. Whatever. I don't I'm trade him. I mean what do you want to do? It's nothing you can do, but I, I don't want anybody on my team to participate in the home run derby. That's fine, but I don't think it's a death knell. Like, I don't think you need to... Maybe you can scream no with one O. <laughs> no need 11. We don't need all those exclamation points. Yeah. All Danny right. H, by the way, that's the Danny. Danny he played H. minor league... Oh, you know what? He played in the majors. Danny Ainge for played the Blue, for the Blue Jays, Jays yeah. in the 80s. How about... Who's Scott? Is it with two T's? Yeah, and... I mean, maybe it's misspelled. I don't know that Charlie Ward is is the right guy. I know he got drafted. I don't Scott. know that he actually played. Hmm. I'm not sure. Well, what do you? I'm not for? sure. I just I just had a hunch Danny Ainge was it, so I was able to confirm it that way. But I'm not seeing a Scott here. Well, you're 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 useless. All right, I, I, I'd it. like the answers. Whoever sent this email, send send us the last names. I just want. Yeah, to- yeah. Let us know. That'd be great. So uh, today apparently is Cow Appreciation Day. I just saw that on Twitter. 
And take that with you the rest of the day. Oh, it's Chick-fil-A. They're celebrating Cow Appreciation Day. Free sandwiches if you show up in Cow Gear. All right, I know where I'm off to. Bye, everybody. Bye.